Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. My name is Katie Brinkman. I am Pastor Ben's wife. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Canvas Church. And I'm excited for um, us to continue our series in Thessalonians. And so we're going to go ahead and dive right in. So grab your Bible, open it up, and let's turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 together. Um, the book of Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians, is in the New Testament. And uh, you can uh, go past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You're going to find some other letters that are written to the Galatians, to the Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And then you're going to run upon uh, Thessalonians. If you've found yourself in Timothy or Hebrews or Revelation, you just need to rewind a little bit. So um, if you've got your phone or your iPad or a digital device, you're already there. Um, amen. Uh, we're going to read all of chapter one of Second Thessalonians, and we're going to start right there in verse one. So let's get into the word this morning. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who are afflicting you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you and him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we pray together this morning? God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together here this morning in worship and in fellowship as we get into the word this morning. God, I pray that you would um, just speak through me and everything that you've revealed to me for this morning. God, you would just help me to communicate all that you placed on my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you saw it, but I felt like I was in a blizzard or a... Um, I don't know, a tornado, yeah, I'm sitting here going, am I in San Diego, or where am I at right now? This, this fan was out of control. I'm like, ah, so thank you, whoever did that. That was awesome. Um, we're, I'm excited for uh, this chapter and to continue in our series of, uh, out of Thessalonians. Pastor Ben concluded uh, last weekend the first letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica uh, with a message out of chapter 5. And today we're going to dive into the second letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. And um, 
As Pastor Ben mentioned last weekend, Paul didn't know that he was going to write another letter to the church in Thessalonica. And that's why in uh, chapter 5 of the first book, 1 Thessalonians, we see that he gives those final instructions. Um, that he shares final instructions to the believers that if you, if you do anything, you've got to do these things. These are the things that are very important and encouraging them to do. And so we see, though, we have the privilege of seeing um, that he did indeed write a second letter to the believers there to the church in Thessalonica. And so we're going to take a look at the first chapter here and discover why did he need to write another letter to the believers that were there in Thessalonica. And we find one of the reasons, and when we take a look at chapters two and three, we're going to see some other uh, reasons why he needed to write the second letter. Um, But one of the reasons is found here in the first chapter, and it says there that, um, that we're boasting about you, and it's in verse four, because of your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. And the word persecutions means harassment or oppression, and the word affliction means trouble, distress, pain, suffering. And when I read that, I, I want to kind of, I want to be able to picture what that looks like. I don't know if, it, if you're one of those uh, readers, but when I read, I like to visualize. I like to imagine what did this look like. And so when I read this, I, I kind of want to know what is, what is this persecution look like for them? What do the afflictions look like? What is it that they're enduring? And if you rewind back to Acts chapter 17, that's where we find the account of Paul's journey into Thessalonica for the very first time. This is where Paul goes in for the first time, and he's preaching the gospel, he's teaching uh, the gospel, and those that heard it, that received it, became followers of Jesus. And there were Jews in the city at that time that became jealous, became angry, and they got a mob riled up, an angry mob riled up, and this mob sought to capture Paul and those that were preaching this gospel about Jesus Christ. And so this mob is all riled up, and you can write Acts 17 down and read that later on your own, but this mob attacks the house of Jason, Jason being one of those that had chosen to believe in the message that Paul was preaching, to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they attack the home of Jason, and when they found that Paul and, and those that were with him were not there, they then took Jason and some of the other brothers that had chosen to follow Jesus and drug them out of their house and brought them before the city officials and took money from them and and were persecuting them because they had chosen to follow Jesus, because they believed in the message, the gospel message that Paul had brought. And so this is what that persecution looked like. And Paul even mentioned it in the first letter um, of of, uh, 1 Thessalonians, the, the first few chapters there. Paul makes mention of the afflictions and some of the things that they were going through. And so what we see here in this first chapter, we see that they're still going through it. I don't know if it looked exactly the same if more mobs were going throughout the city, capturing those that had chosen to follow Jesus. I don't know exactly um, if that was exactly what was taking place, but we know that those were some of the persecutions that they were going through. Um, and, you know, when I read the Bible, and, and when you and I read the Bible, we this is not just an historical account of what happened to some people a long time ago. 
But God has recorded this for you and I because there's something that we can learn from it. They, they're in many ways, uh, God uh, wants us to relate this to our lives today. And I know that because of the nation that we have the privilege of living in, that many of us are not experiencing angry mobs attacking our homes because we're followers of Jesus Christ. We don't have people coming in and dragging us out of our house beheading us because we've chosen to be Christians and, and believers of Jesus, although that is happening and it does happen in other countries around the world. Um, but because of where we live and, and, um, and the freedom that we have to gather here this morning, that we're not hiding in a basement uh, somewhere because we can't openly worship Jesus, but we can today, we can. But I know, because I've experienced persecution, I know that, that many of you in this room have experienced um, persecution or ridicule or rejection because you've chosen to follow Jesus. I remember when um, I first came to know the Lord and um, God just grabbed, out, got, grabbed a hold of my heart and began to change my life in amazing ways. And, and I began to go to church and, and uh, want to know what God's plan and will was for my life. And at that time, I had family that, that didn't know Jesus, and they didn't understand the choices I was making and the decision that I had made to follow Jesus. And so some of the changes I had made in my life, they didn't understand it. They, they not, didn't necessarily say that they didn't like the changes. They were all great and good changes I was making, but because they didn't understand it, I remember uh, one phone call in particular that I got some, from some family. And... Uh, the, the family cussed me out on the phone and uh, then proceeded to tell me, we don't know who you are anymore. And they slammed the phone down on me. And um, I just remember sitting on the edge of my bed, just weeping, just tears running out of my face going, I don't understand God. Why, like why? All the changes I've made are good changes. Would they rather me be strung out on drugs like I was? Would they rather me be in relationships that were abusive? I, I don't get it. God, I don't get it. Why, why are they rejecting me? And I know many of us would say they weren't rejecting you, Katie. They were rejecting the message. They were rejecting uh, Jesus that you were choosing to, to follow. But you know what? It felt a lot like I was being rejected. You know what I'm talking about? And I think there's some here today that, that you know what that's like to to come to know God and, and choose to follow after God and choose to, to live according to this thing right here and to have people not understand it and maybe ridicule you because of your faith. We have so many military men and women in our church and I've talked to some of them and we've got Gary back again, praise God. We say again because we understand you go on deployment, you come back, you go on deployment, you come back, you go on deployment, you come back. We're really grateful when you come back. Um, but we've had the opportunity to talk to many of you and and. We've heard some of you share that deployments can be some of the most lonely seasons as a believer because you're on a ship or you're out and, and there aren't a whole lot of others with you that are choosing to live the way that you're choosing to live, a life following Jesus Christ and following his word. And it can be some of the most lonely seasons and you can, you can experience a lot of ridicule and stuff because you don't involve yourself in some of the activities that others involve themselves in. And this week when we were up on that mountain, um, oh gosh, it's going to happen. I'm going to try not to cry. You look up, right? Um, 
they did the ropes course that you saw on the, on the screens there, and some of the kids made mention of it. But the kids did a ropes course, and part of the ropes course was this, this thing called the leap of faith. And I remember doing it 12 years ago at the, exact, at the exact camp that we were at. My daughter was only a month old at the time when we were there, and I remember doing that leap of faith, and it scared me, my goodness. You're at the ground looking up, it doesn't look bad. You get up there, you look down, you're like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, I can't make it. I'm not gonna be able to do this. Um, but this year, I had the opportunity to be there, and now my daughter's 12 years old, and she's experiencing the camp and a part of the camp. Um, but we brought our youngest daughter with us, and Faith is uh, nine years old. And she wanted to do the, do the ropes course really bad. And it just so happened, it worked out that she was able to do it. And I was in a group with her and, and some of the other kids from Canvas, and um, Faith got that harness on, and she climbed up that, that tree and using those staples and got all the way up and got to the platform that wasn't much bigger than the, the base of this, this podium and stood there on that platform but John, who was one of the instructors, instructors of the rope course, said, I want you to tell me your greatest fear. I want you to share with us what is your greatest fear, the greatest fear that you want to overcome. And at the, nine, at the age of nine years old, my daughter spoke up and she said, I want to come overcome the fear of people judging me for my faith. And I thought, man, she's only nine years old. Nine years old, shouldn't you still be wanting to overcome the fear of the dark? Uh, you know, the boogeyman under your bed, you know, but here her greatest fear was people judging her because of her faith. And I know because I'm her mom that, that she's experienced judgment because of her faith. There have been times when she's been at school and Christmas time comes and people are, they're hearing about different celebrations that people do at Christmas and she shares that she's a Christian and that she celebrates Jesus' birthday. And other kids look at her and say, Jesus isn't real make comments to her about her faith in Jesus and she comes home just with tears in her face saying, Mom, they don't believe in Jesus and they said this to me because I do. And at the age of nine, that was her greatest fear. But I, I watched other young people, junior high, high schoolers, standing up at, on that platform saying the exact same thing. Because they've experienced ridicule or rejection because They've proclaimed that I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm going to follow Jesus. And I don't know what it's like for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's from family that you experience that. Maybe it's at your workplace. Maybe you've been passed up for promotions because you've, you've chosen to live a life that, that shows Jesus to others. Maybe you're a businessman and you've chosen to lead your business in an ethical manner that brings honor to God but you have employees or others that would come to you and say, just, just do this, it, it'll be fine, nobody will know, but you've, you've, you've chosen to go the harder way and because of that, you've gotten some ridicule and it's even taken longer to build your business. I don't know what you have faced as far as persecution, but it's very clear that the people in Thessalonica were going through some persecution because they had chosen to be followers of Jesus Christ. And, and um, for you and I today, um, I don't know about you, but I know that there were years and years of hearing things, uh, going into a, a, a gathering and, and someone making a comment not at me, but very much directed towards me, 
very loud comments like the Bible, the Bible's just a fairy tale. <laughs> and it just hurts. It hurts. I know going through some of those things, having people say, when are you going to get a real job? When are you, you going to get a real job? When is Ben going to get a real job? I mean, he only works on Sunday. Yeah, some of you even believe that. Shame on you. We've gotten your phone calls at 10 o'clock at night. You know we don't just work on Sunday morning, okay? Well, anyways, that's for a whole other sermon, I think. I don't know. And there are times when you, okay, I can only talk for me. There are times when I experience people saying things or rejecting me because of the message that I choose to follow different things like that. There have been times where I said, you know what? This is, it'd just be a lot easier not to do this. Times when I've wanted to throw in the towel and just say, you can have it. I, I'm done. I, I, some of you as young, young adults have wanted to throw in the towel and believing God for that spouse. You've even wanted to throw in the towel on the idea of saving yourself one day for that individual that God has for you. And I know that many of us maybe have been there before where it's just, you think to yourself, it'd just be easier not to even let them know that I'm a Christian. It'd be easier. And, and sometimes we can sit back and say, does God even see? When is God going to do something about this? Does God see what's going on? Does God even know? Does God even care? And I imagine that the people in Thessalonica were getting to this place that the persecution, the afflictions, the things that they were going to were continuing and continuing and continuing. And maybe they were beginning to ask, does God see this? Does God care what we're going through? When is God ever going to do something about this? Isn't he a just judge? Isn't he just? Isn't he going to repay for the things that people are doing to his, his people, to his followers? And Paul gets word of this, and Paul says it's time. I gotta write him a letter. I gotta let him know what God says about this. And so we see the answer come to them. And we see in verse six, it says, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who are afflicting you. And okay, you've been going through what they've been going through, you might be cheering at this point. They, I mean, I don't know what they were doing when they're reading this, but they're like, okay, finally, God's gonna, God's gonna do, do something about this. God's gonna deal with these people that are afflicting us. And then it says, and grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. And they're like, yes, God, it's coming. God's gonna, God's gonna answer, God sees us and he's gonna bring us relief. Relief is gonna come. Because we're tired, we're feeling weary. And then Paul drops the bomb on them. Because then you find out when it's going to happen. You find out when the relief is coming. You find out when God's going to deal with those that afflict his people. And it says there in the rest of verse 6, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Praise God. In other words, you got a while. It's going to be a while. And I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm just putting myself in their shoes, that 
They were getting puffed up and excited, and suddenly they're deflated. Whoa. Okay. We got a while. Because nobody knows when he's coming. <laughs> there are certain things that have to happen before he comes. Okay. So, Paul, what do you have for us then? How do we go through this? How do we make it through this? And Paul gives them some things, and, and I believe that God has some things for us that can help you, as it says in this verse, to remain steadfast. Steadfast meaning firm or unwavering in your faith. To not waver in your faith, but continue to follow Jesus despite the ridicule, despite the rejection, despite the comments that people make about you, about your family. But there are some things that we can do to remain steadfast in our faith. The first one is to keep our focus on the hope of Christ's return. What does Paul tell him? That he's going to return. When Jesus returns, those that are afflicting will be afflicted and you will find great relief. You will find peace. There will be no more affliction. You will spend eternity in heaven. There's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no weeping. You're, you're, you're gonna be good. And if we keep our focus on the hope of Christ's return, then we realize, as it says in Romans 8, 18, that it says there, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. The suffering that we experience right here, this life that we live right here, can I just tell you, if this life was all that there is, this, this time, us here on earth, I've thought about this. <laughs> Trust me, I've thought about this. If this was all there is, I don't know if I would do it. If this was it, just this life. I'm born, I live, I die, no longer does it exist. I don't know, I don't know if I could say it was worth it the ridicule that I've gone through, the rejection that I've experienced from the ones that have been closest to me. I don't know that it's worth it. But when we begin to focus heavenward and we read the word of God that reminds us that this life isn't all there is. This life is so, so temporary. It is like just a small little blip in the span of all eternity, it is, it is so temporary. And when we, I begin to remember that, that this life isn't the end, but there is more to come. There's an eternity that I'm gonna live with my savior forever and every single family member and loved one that I know that chooses to follow Jesus, I'm gonna spend all eternity with them. This life isn't it. And if you know what, if I end up going through a little bit of pain right now, oh, it doesn't compare to the joy that is before me, the joy that I'm gonna experience in heaven. The Bible says that in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. I might go through a little bit of pain right now. I might go through a little bit of rejection right now. I might go through a little bit of, of, of those things right now. But man, I'm gonna spend all eternity in the fullness of joy. And when we begin to have that be our focus, then it helps us to endure some of the things that we go through right now. The, the next thing is remembering that you're not alone. How do you remain unwavering in your faith in the midst of some of the things 
that people do or say because of your faith, you remember that you're not alone. Paul says there in verse six, that it's not just to you who are afflicted, but to us as well. In other words, remember, people of Thessalonica, I was with you. The reason why I could only stay there a short time is because the persecution was so bad I had to flee the city. I'm with you in this. You're not alone in this. That is one of the things that the devil would love for every one of us in this place to believe. He'd love for you to believe that you're alone in in those moments of suffering, those times when you suffer, those times when, when you get rejected. The devil would love for you to believe that you're alone in that, that nobody, that you're the only one that goes through that. But I'm here to tell you today that you're not alone in that. And that there are people sitting right next to you that have stories that they can share with you. I'm going to read to you Hebrews 11. I believe it's on the screen for you to write down. But Hebrews 11, verse 37 says this. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. This is the great faith chapter talking about the heroes of the faith. Followers of Christ that, did you read what I just read? Stoned. Okay, that's not like, you know, okay. I remember that. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, but we're talking stoned. They were sawn in two, killed with the sword. And then it goes on to chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Since we're surrounded by so many other followers of Christ that know what you're going through, that know uh, how, how difficult, difficult it can be sometimes at your workplace or with your family because you're a follower of Christ, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that understand what, what you're going through, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which, so, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, that word endurance, we need endurance. Um, the race that is set before us, looking unto who? Looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, listen, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Your Savior, God, do you know? God, do you see? God, do you care? He says, I know, I see, I care, I've been there. He hung on that cross, he was ridiculed, he was mocked, he was beaten. He knows. And the beauty of it is he's praying for you and I. He's not dead in a grave, but he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God and he sees, he knows, and he's praying for you. Amen? Small groups are starting September 7th. And if you ever feel like you're isolated and you're alone in this journey, you need, I'm telling you, you need to sign up for a small group. It's time. It's time to get together and gather with other believers so that they can encourage you in this journey of faith. And, and in those moments when rejection comes, you can begin to hear their testimonies and let them share their experiences with you that will encourage you and build your faith as well. Lastly, how can we remain steadfast by developing a heart of compassion for those who persecute you. This passage right here, 
if you just take it and read it, this is, this is one of those passages that people would look at you and say, how can you believe in a God that would do that to anyone? Listen, listen to some of the words of what's going to happen. Inflaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints. And if you don't realize who the one is that God has chosen to write these very words down by, he chose Paul, who was once known as Saul. He was a Jew. And as a Jew, a Pharisee, before he came to know Jesus and before he chose to follow after Jesus Christ, he was the one persecuting the believers. He was the one involved in their murders. He was the one capturing them and dragging them to prison. And so before you read this and you begin to go, but God, how, how can I love a God and serve a God that would do that? You gotta remember that the one that's writing it realizes all too well what the destination is for those that, that do those things because he was in those shoes. He was the one persecuting. And he says, hey, people of Thessalonica, believers, listen, all those who don't know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, this is their destination. This is their destiny. It's called eternal destruction. And in that moment, I know that when I hear it, I have to think to myself, and I'm sure that the people of Thessalonica were realizing in that moment as they read these words from Paul, that that was me. Every one of us in this room were those people at one point in time. Before we surrendered our lives to Jesus, we were those that didn't know God and didn't obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our destination was eternal destruction. That was the, that's where we were headed. That, that, was, that, was, that was our destiny. And when you begin to realize that you were once that person, you begin to look at them with greater compassion because you realize that if they don't change, if they don't come to know Jesus, if they don't realize what they're doing, then they're headed in a direction that, that isn't just gonna last for a few days. It's not pain that's gonna just pass in a, in a few months, eternal, forever. And you begin to look at them through eyes of compassion and eyes of love and realizing that that is not God's heart and desire for anyone. Matthew 5 says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. That's what Jesus said. Luke 23, 34, Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, looks down, beaten, bruised, pierced. These are his words. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. As I sat on the edge of my bed after that phone call, just weeping. Because the people that I loved most, that were dearest to me, and in my family, it's still this way today. Family's everything. 
When we go on vacation, we go on vacation with lots of family. Family that I grew up with all my life, rejecting me, cussing me out, saying they don't know me anymore. I weeped and I weeped and I weeped and I realized, God, they don't know. They don't realize. And in that moment, God just had to say, Katie, don't get angry. Don't let hatred or anger rise up towards them, but just love them. Just shower them with love. Shower them with your prayers. And I began to do this, and I wish that I could say it was just weeks, and it began to turn around. It wasn't just weeks. It wasn't just months. It wasn't just a year. It wasn't just five years. It wasn't just 10 years. 17 years down the road, finally. Because I didn't compromise in my faith. Moments I wavered, absolutely, and I struggled with it. There were moments I didn't want to pray for him because I was upset. I'm like, God, you're not hearing me anyways. Nothing's happening. You know, have you ever been there before? I've been praying, Lord, nothing's happening. There's still... But I just would get back and I'd be like, no, God, I gotta, I gotta pray for them. I gotta love them. Despite all those other things. 17 years later, to be able to introduce them to Jesus for the first time. Man. It makes all the words that cut like knives worth it. It made all the tears worth it. In that one moment, Because I knew that their destination was not eternal destruction anymore. And sometimes we just get frustrated because like, God, when is this ever going to end? When when is there going to finally be somebody else on this ship that I can talk to about my faith, not have them laugh at me? And the Bible reminds us in 2 Peter 3, 9, (laughs) those moments where we're like, come on. You're so slow, God. When are you going to do something here? God says through his word, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that all should reach that place of repentance Acknowledging Jesus. God is so good. And when we begin to develop a heart of compassion for those that reject us, reject the message that we, the love that we would come to bring them, and as we develop that heart of compassion for them, you begin to realize that you need to stop praying for God to take them out of your life, and you need to realize that God puts you in their life for a reason. He doesn't want anyone to experience eternal destruction. And when you realize that was you at one point in time, then it helps you to endure some of the backlash because of your faith. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.